Hello and welcome to NDIS Know How, a podcast series that asks, how can parents get the very best NDIS plan and ample funding to support their kid? This podcast is written and made by me, Melanie Dimmitt, the author of Special, Antidotes to the Obsessions that Come with a Child's Disability, and sponsored by HireUp, a disability platform connecting families like mine with top-notch support workers. In this episode, I'll be chatting with paediatric occupational therapist Prue Nix. Prue is the clinical director at a large Sydney-based therapy provider and oversees the creation of at least 20 NDIS reports every week. This woman is nothing less than an NDIS report writing guru and, full disclosure, she's also my son Arlo's OT. Three and a half years now, Prue. We're in a long-term relationship. That's long for me. Anyway. Oh, love it that way. Love it that way. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, it's been wonderful. Wonderful. But as a result, you've seen some of my reports as well and hopefully seen how they've changed a little bit over time as well. In our chat, Prue takes us through the steps of writing a good report with clear goals, progress and recommendations, which in recent years has become all the more important. Without those reports, we have previously had people you know certainly with the rollout of the NDIS um, some people who really didn't understand the whole picture or, or even the small picture of the the children um, that we were talking about um, so in that sense it was really important to paint the right picture to get that funding and justify that funding. My first question for Prue is how can we as parents help our kids therapists write a good report? Really you guys knowing the goals Um, so, you know, I think there's a huge tendency to go, right, well, I need, you know, a hundred hours of physio, I need a hundred hours of OT and I need, you know, whatever, but ideally you just have a really nice, not a big picture and it doesn't have to be one of the future. It's just like real. What do you actually want? It might just be, you know, we'd love to be able to go to restaurants as a family or we'd love to take a family holiday. Those sorts of things we can really break down and it, it really does work. <laughs> um, as, as big as the jumps might be from one of those big picture goals of going on a family holiday down to then, well, what do you need the physio to do and what do you need the OT to do? But we can really do it and it puts us in a nice picture of you and your family and what you want and you know how you're going to live. I love that. I'm so adding the goal of going on a family holiday once we're allowed to to our goals. I think that's oh, awesome. absolutely. I think that's that's all our goals. Right? Yeah, totally, totally. Um, you mentioned wording, and I've learned that that's so important. We always hear that we need to use NDIS language in reports. Yeah, things like to build capacity, things like um, reducing future costs of care things like community access, I suppose, and social participation. So they are really key words. They're really key words to the driving um, structure of the NDIS. Um, But I think we're having a bit of a pushback on that at the moment. You know, I suppose it shouldn't really matter (laughs) that whether it reduces the cost of care or not. I understand that it does from an insurance perspective, but at the same time, what are we really trying to do? We're trying to improve this child's quality of life, the child and the family's quality of life, maybe improve their function if we can, certainly you know, improve their participation and ability to access the community if that aligns with their goals and the family goals. So what I'm encouraging my team to do is really say it as it is. 
say what we do, say what we want, say what we see and and just, you know, reduce the um, the crap. Yes, <laughs> yeah. that really um, encourages me that you guys yeah. are, yeah, pushing back on the language. I think yet. it's on its way. I think one thing that's still lagging is, unfortunately, the tone of the um, reports whilst in most parts it's an advocacy style from an allied health professional, you know, we try and justify what, you know, what you want and need from, from the therapist themselves, you know, out of therapy. But the, the tone of our reporting is negative, not positive. It's not enough about um, what that child is achieving to meet their goals and their sub-goals, um, which is, you know, we're trying to change that. But it, it has been and continues to be a deficit-based, you know, they're not able to do this and, you know, they're, they're not at an age-appropriate level, they're not doing, <clears throat> you know, they're not participating yeah, it's that negative tone, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, we're um, still talk, told yeah. to talk about our kids' worst day and paint that as yep. their whole lives. Yeah, um, yeah, that's right. And when we get parents' feedback on reports, it's often worried that we've painted them in too much of a good light, um, which wow. is so, you know, like, and so that's the, oh, could you edit this? Because they sound like they can do everything that you want them to be able to do. Yeah, so we're trying to curb that around and go, okay, well, let's say what they can do against their goals. Then we're saying, um, you know, we're starting to say what would happen if we didn't receive that intervention. If we weren't doing this, what would happen? Um, and that's the way we're sort of justifying keeping on going. So, yep, we've done really well, but rather than restating what we can't do, we're trying to say, and if we didn't have this intervention or if we don't have this piece of equipment, um, then maybe that child would be excluded um, or restricted um, for their social participation. Yes, you make some threats. I like it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> On a practical note, I asked Prue how an NDIS report should be structured. Prue tells me that although her company uses their own format, the NDIS does have a report template for Early Childhood Early Intervention, or ECEI, providers, which I've included in the show notes. As a general rule, NDIS reports start with a little bit of background information on your child. If it's an initial assessment, if the child you know, isn't known to you or isn't well documented or new to the NDIS, you probably give a bit more of a background. Um, but I've very much um, started to pull back and ask people not to keep rehashing that each time around. I think as parents, we don't need to read it. And I think we should be expecting the NDIS to come with some assumed knowledge about this child as they develop a history through the agency. So with that in mind, that background is becoming shorter and, um, and includes something about that child and what they like, who they are as an individual um, and how they are as a family unit. Then come some assessment results or scores, which, as Prue said, are often deficit-based or age-related. The NDIS has a list of standardised assessments for various disabilities, which you can find a link to in the show notes. And then it's really on to your NDIS goals and what goals we've made underneath those goals um, and then how we went about achieving them. So some progress against the goals. When showing how a child has made progress toward their goals, her advice is simply say it straight. Say it as it is. So tell me what you do, why you're doing it and what you've seen happen whether that's a change or any level of enjoyment 
Um, and that's really what we need to be reporting on, um, you know, and hopefully that's against the goals. So I don't want to know all those words for word's sake, all those NDIS words for word's sake. I, yeah, I really want to know the reality. After reporting on a child's goals and progress, it's time for the therapist to make their recommendations. Then it's really into justifying what do you need? What are you going to be doing? And then what do you plan to do in the next plan period? And how does that align with the family's new NDIS life goals? So if you really think that that child needs to be coming weekly or twice weekly or just monthly, whichever way it goes, say it say it as the clinician, as the professional. And I think, you know, where we're trying to land is maybe you need to say that more heavily so the NDIS understand we're not ticking boxes. We're not trying to be in box A or box B or box C. We are saying clinically or, you know, therapeutically or professionally, I believe this child requires this frequency or this amount of therapy or this intervention or this AT. Prue tells me that while it isn't the OT, physio or speech's responsibility to justify the need for support worker hours in their report, especially for younger children, they can include details in the other support recommendations section to help us out here. Both parents work full time and, you know, need to continue to engage in this and have limited social supports um, around and, you know, home programs need to be done for therapy um, to maintain muscle length and all of that, all the stretching regime. And then so then you can say, therefore, a therapy aid or care support hours would be recommended. How do you make sure that your recommendations are super clear and and get actioned? Um. I think you can make them super clear and that's with your justification. So making sure you're not just asking for something that you haven't even drawn a reference to, you know, a need or reflecting what was previous, you know, what was done in the previous plan. Um, so in terms of making it clear so that you get the funding, well, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you really, yeah, definitely get the funding just because we say it. But then little things like, you know, you're, you're named extras. So certainly making sure you don't just ask for what we used to do, just ask for $1,000 worth of low-cost items. Can't do that anymore. You've got to really name what you might be buying, what you need as low-cost items. So name the shoes, name the, you know, name the therapy ball, name the, the switch or whatever it is. Um, and then from the bigger AT, you know, the high-cost AT, again, naming it and making sure that there is a goal that, pretty well directly relates to it um, in, the, in the family's NDIS goals. When you hear from parents once the plan has come back, are they generally disappointed or is it getting better? No, look, I, yet I find most of our families are pretty pleased with their plans. Um, I think there's a lot of fear. <laughs> there's always fear and I just, that shouldn't be the case. We should be able to be confident in the system that is supporting us, um, you know, our kids and, and, and your families. A huge thanks to Prue Nix for sharing her NDIS report writing wisdom with us. And thank you for listening. A special thanks also to those of you who've rated and reviewed NDIS Know How on Apple Podcasts. I'm so happy to know that it's helpful. And we'll be back soon with another episode. Catch you then.